0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io.
1: What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan, founder of Marknology. Here is today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things ecom, Amazon, startups, entrepreneurship. You know it. Um, today's guest is a friend, a colleague. Uh, like normal, I love getting uh, some of my, my fellow colleagues and friends on the show because we just really get a jam out and I know that they just um, they don't hold back and so I know that that's bringing the best value. Before we get into today's topic, shout out to our sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Puzzle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. Today's guest, Paul Barron, founder of Influx Catalyst, formerly
0: the chat agency. Welcome to the show, my friend. What's up, buddy? Good to good to finally be here. I know we've talked about doing a podcast for <laughs> since we met. I, we've had our own podcast offline. They just
1: weren't recorded. You know, I uh jamming through some of this stuff that we were getting going with TikTok and TikTok influencers and and all the stuff that now is is Influx. Um you know, when we were just scheming some of those things, you had some brilliant ideas and I'm like, we should have recorded that whole thing. But here we are nonetheless. Um,
0: Thanks for finding the time. Yeah, buddy. It's always fun talking to you. I mean, what, how long are we talking before you hit record? What? 15, 20 minutes. Yeah.
1: There's some stuff that we just like, you know, we can't give for free to everybody. So, (laughs) uh, we know we got to talk a little shit, talk a little, like brag on a few people. I think we did a little bit of both. So, um,
0: you're in uh, Colorado, is that right? I am, and dude, it is so cold. I think you—well, you're not there now, but uh, you're probably gonna get that cold front that we had come through probably tomorrow in Kansas City. But right now, it is ten degrees. It was like negative fifteen this morning.
1: Sounds it was absolutely awful.
0: Yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun. I've I've started that. Um, well, I mean, you and I were in that. What's up the health challenge? What's up? Mm-hmm. So I've started doing this. Um, I think you, I think you know this, but I've been doing the like the cold shower deal. And um, um, I uh, we were at this uh, museum exhibit uh, over the weekend, and incidentally, my shower water is the same temperature as uh, the, the water below, like the ice shelf in Antarctica. It's forty three degrees. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah yeah so did you feel like a badass for like yeah, i was in the showers you know it's funny because i was like man this is so cold i thought it was like barely above freezing but technically 43 is technically barely above freezing but this has nothing to do with what we're talking about other than the fact that it's frigid and like i'm one of those weirdos that's going to talk about how cold showering is awesome Meanwhile, well
1: at the same time we're also letting people know that we're in a health group chat accountability theory. chat right it's something that like you know as entrepreneurs um it's important to stay connected like in the in the amazon community the e-commerce community if we can call it that um yeah. is is more to me than just like buying and selling and and uh you know in amazon we've got like our, our our music groups we've got um our health challenge groups and accountability um you know it's a lot of fun i love this community this, this podcast is for that community i just came back from the online seller cruise with carlos and um the wizards of ecom that put that on and it was awesome i think that's where we actually met yeah um 2 last years ago year. now
0: yeah no last year a year ago feels like wow everything, everything it's funny cuz like i i feel like the pandemic has this um stretching effect on time <laughs> that everything feels longer yeah and i think also like i've known some people maybe longer than that and have
1: had less conversations so maybe it's just a matter of uh conversations we've had we had prosper um we were both on stage last year giving away some tips. We both lost to Vanessa, I think.
0: They're no, it was mistaken. um it was what's his name from Taika. Um I anyway, yeah, no, but Vanessa was I mean we would have lost to her. She was second runner up. Okay, got it. Yeah, I but, have a bad memory. Once I lose, I'm just like I'm out. So Yeah.
1: But both of our well, tips
0: were better. We're just not as good looking as Vanessa or the other guy.
1: Uh, we don't have the accent either. So <laughs> no, we you don't. know, it's it's hard to win in ecom uh looking like we do. So <laughs> um no but let's talk a little bit about you you know i love getting to know uh, i know you already of course uh but still getting to know you myself and um on true to startup puzzles form and like how i do the show i love getting into people's background um before we get into like what they're doing now and we can talk about influx and like how you made the transition to rebrand from the chat agency into a broader um a broader spectrum of what you're doing it, and then also more dialed in at the same time before we do that and just start talking influencer and some of the things uh brands should be thinking about when they're when they're engaging with let's say um content partners or influencers or affiliate marketers let's start with uh your own story i know you own you own and have built brands um you you do it with your wife i don't know all the projects that you're in but take take me back to like uh you know before entrepreneurship and and kind of how you got into it
0: yeah so i've i feel like i've been an entrepreneur from the time I was a little kid. And I remember um, when I first started speaking and um, my mom incidentally came to the very first speech that he gave in front of like a big audience. In fact, it was like the first, I mean, it, unless you can like local chamber of commerce things, which I don't necessarily, because it's like a lunch and learn style thing, right? Um, but um, in 2018, um, amazing.com, which did the course ASM, um, all the versions. Um, I went through that system. They invited me to speak in Orlando at the event there. It was actually the first seller con they did a bunch of it was like ASM live or something up until that point. And they invited me to speak. And the topic that I spoke on was building a brand that the media loves. It was PR hacking um, essentially. And we flew my mom out because at the time my son was, let's see, 2018. So, he was born in 14, so he was coming up on four years. He was three and a half years old. And uh, so super tiny, and so we needed help because at that point it was cheaper to fly her out. Um, and I remember she reminded me of how I used to take little drawings to the grocery store, and I would um, offer them to grandmas. That was my target. I would try to find grandmas. And maybe it was just the time of day. I don't know, but I would I would hand it to them and, and I would say, do you want this?" And they would say yes. And then I would say, well, that will be 10 cents.
1: <laughs> That's African style in my opinion. Bro. like you get it in their hand or you get it where they're like you're holding it, you know' so if a vendor is showing it to you like if you're holding it, you might as well have just bought it like you're right. done.
0: it was it was like it was like ambush ambush sales pitch right like you give it to them they've already said they want it. And what are they going to say to a cute little five-year-old kid? Well, that'll be 10 cents. No, here, have it, take it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if it's 10 cents, you're probably getting a dollar anyway. So Right. So, I mean, this was in the 80s. So, um, anyway, so that, like ever since I was a little kid and I remember, uh, you know, like junior high, I did the uh, paper out thing. And I had a, um, I mean, we've, we've talked about this. I grew up in the church. So, you know, pretty religious. And I had a... Uh, um, a lawn mowing business that I called the Cutting Edge with two T's that were crosses, <laughs> and uh, I ran that thing out of a Geo Metro, and I would do it. I you you know what a Geo Metro is, right? Have yes, I it? do. I've Little, driven one. You've driven one, dude. Those yes. things, like I've gotten three speeding tickets in Geo Metro. That is like trying.
1: Listen, I I need to talk for two seconds. So like <laughs> basically. I come back from Africa at sixteen, right? Like I'm okay. not cool, okay. Right. But I I start going to public school at sixteen. Like I don't have the clothes, the cars, the the, the knowledge. I don't even know how to talk to girls. Like I'm I just I'm cool now. I know I wasn't cool, okay. I was worse, and uh, and I had like my parents had a red Ford Escort, like the four door, just basic. Dishes. Yeah. I got to drive that to school, right? So I wasn't embarrassed. It wasn't a sports car. It wasn't that cool. Didn't have a crazy sound system, whatever, but it was red and it wasn't embarrassing. Like, and you know, I'm, I have very little status symbols. Okay, I didn't have Doc Martens. I didn't have, you know, any of the things that made you cool. And um, every so often, my, my sisters were still homeschooled. They didn't wanna to go to public school. And my mom and then would go shopping during the day. Well, when they went shopping during the day, they needed the car, okay? So they would take the escort. And I would get my sister, who you know, who you know, who was eighteen or nineteen at the time, and she had a bright yellow Geometro convertible. <laughs>
0: convertible Geometro.
1: <laughs> convertible Geometro. Two seater. And that's, like, that's that's that is putting lipstick on a pig right there. <laughs> they would like be like, sure, just drive. This to school. It didn't have power steering. It was like literally like a Barbie car. Like I'm six three, you know, just like
0: no, you, don't this thing, need, you, like, don't, you don't need power steering on a car that weighs 500 pounds. <laughs> I even think
1: she was driving it without one of the cylinders for the longest time, so it had like it was a two-cylinder. Two,
0: two-cylinder.
1: <laughs> so I so, know about
0: geometry. So you know about so okay. So you know how tiny they are, and I would put, I would put lawn mowing equipment in the back. I'd I take I'd take a lawn mower and I'd fold it over and I'd put it in the back and I'd do like the weed whacker. And the leaf, I don't even know if I had a leaf. I didn't have a leaf blower. I had a weed whacker and a lawnmower and a bunch of like bags and like gas cans and, and and shit. Right. And I'd put it in the back and I'd drive around mowing people's lawns because I didn't that was and that wasn't it wasn't my car, it was the it was the siblings car. Cause I'm I'm a sandwich between two girls. I'm my older sister, Jess, um, she's two years older than me. And then my younger sister is two years younger than me. So I'm like Same. on that yeah. So you you got the sandwich situation going on too, right? So you got like mm-hmm. that middle child, sort of overlooked, but you're the only boy, so you're not necessarily overlooked. It's not that important in every right.
1: way. Like right. you're just not the firstborn. Yeah. you're like the middle child. You're not the youngest. You're not the oldest. Yeah, like you're male, but like yeah, mm, yeah. it's like definitely it's yeah, like yeah, a
0: whatever. We've already had we've already had a kid. <laughs> so, cool. So I would do that, and I would drive around, you know, mowing people's lawns, cutting edge lawn service. And, um, (laughs) then, you know, the winters, I would shovel, you know, sidewalks back in the day when it was like $40 to get a lift ticket. Now it's like 120 or $140 to get a lift ticket, you know, go skiing in Colorado sort of thing. But anyway, like I've always been the sort of do it yourself, self-reliant kind of guy. And it, you know, a lot of this, I can't speak to how much that's nature or nurture, Right. You know, or nurture, what is it? Yeah. Nurture nature. You know, um, Coloradoans in general are typically kind of self-reliant folk. Like don't tell me how to live. I mean the ones that grew up here, um, now we're mostly, it's like new California and new, 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 New York. we got a lot of influx from, uh, you know, pandemic and whatnot, but most native color, however native you can be as a white person, right? Whatever that means. Yeah, I was born here, born and raised. I'm not, a mountain, a mountain person. Mountain folk, right? Like yeah. we, we, we want to live our lives. And I feel like that's in general, most people want to live their lives and not be told how to live or what to do. Um, I think mountain folk are more pronounced because they're like, you know, oh, you're going to tax me? No, you're not. I'm just not going to pay my taxes and we'll see how that works. Um, anyway, so um, entrepreneurism from a young age and that kind of stretched through. And you know, a bit of my story like, I went to Hillsong, um, school in 2002. I graduated uh, high school, 2001. And my plan, I wanted to be a pastor for the longest time, like years. And so at the core of who I am, like, I just want to help people. Um, and I have a little bit of this like negativity about people that just do stuff just for money. And that's still a part of who I am because I'm like, nah, bro, you should just help people because it's the right thing to do. Meanwhile, I, I'm I am still struggling with like yes I should also charge for my services because that's also the right thing to do when it's worth you know paying for right. Um, so went to school um, to be you know pastoral leadership, and uh, my plan was I wanted to um, be a missionary in third world countries, mostly helping people that couldn't provide for themselves. And my plan was that I wanted to teach them how to start businesses to work for themselves. You know, the crux here was I had never successfully started a business. <laughs> so um, I had this like this dream of doing this, this thing. And, you know, when you're young, you can do anything. You're unstoppable, you're unbeatable. And I got, I got home from um, school in 2000, the winter of 2002, and I couldn't get back to Australia. And, like the economy took a giant shit. Um, this is like one of the first big downturns and um, I remember just feeling like totally abandoned and I, but I still had this dream, like I wanted to do this, I wanted to help people and um, fast forward years, that's that's just part of who I am. When I first started um, in the Amazon world, as you know, fast forward to 20, 2010, um, I had a knack for marketing. I have a knack for just understanding how to get the word out about things in people and tell stories. And, um, I got a job at a, uh, an agency, a web development agency, because, um, prior to this, I was starting a web development. I, I don't want to say firm cause that's too light. Um, my best friend and I started a company called barking pineapple. Okay. And we were doing web development on Joomla um, templates. I know that. Drink. I know that. Drink. Yeah. It used to be a huge competitor to uh, WordPress. And that was, I learned how to code, how to write HTML and CSS on MySpace, And I was like, Oh, I know how to Same. do <laughs> So I'm going to band days, <laughs> band aids, right. Uh, band pages. And you know, you, you go to whatever. So my best friend and I were, were, had this firm barking pineapple. We were charging a hundred dollars per page. That was our interview process. How many pages do you need? We didn't ask what the pages needed to do. You know, we just a page, <laughs> just a page. We did <laughs> It was so stupid, man. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. But I, after a few months of maybe about a, six months a year of doing that, like not being able to pay the bills, um, I was looking to get married to Rochelle, and um, I was like, I can't, you know, I can't afford to pay rent or do anything. So I got a job. Um, at a firm doing web that was a web development um, SEO company and um, got a good decent salary. I remember like within the first year I was making like fifty, sixty thousand. 60,000 next year I was making like six figures. And you know, this is like background again, like literally like, I, I don't have a degree Yeah. prior to this. I was like working at coffee shops and doing landscaping and, and stuff like that. Right. Like making no money. Um, and I, and I didn't know money is not a, it's not a motivator for me, right? It's like impact and helping people and that sort of thing. So I'm working at this, at this big agency making a shitload of money and just not feeling satisfied. Like, like the, the people that, that I would sell, I was in the sales department became the director of channel sales in like a two or three years. And, um, I was just feeling like lost, um, missing in life. Um, like I was not achieving my my destiny or whatever, my my why. Um and uh long story short, I got fired from that job. Um, kind of went to a period of like depression for like two years. Cause, you know, background two thousand, two thousand two, go to Hillsong, come back, try to figure myself out. Twenty ten get hired on at this firm, twenty twelve I get fired. And I'm just not feeling like I'm hitting where I want to be in life, you know, had this great job, helped the company grow. Like I was employee number seven Mm -hmm. and went from there to like 200 employees because of a lot of the work that I did. So a lot of my identity was tied into this company and uh, get fired from it and just went through this real crisis of person that like, who am I? What am I? What am What's going on? Like, I, I felt like I, you know, wanted to be a pastor, failed at that, didn't, Whatever, whatever that looked like, you know, started making all this money, and um yeah, it just came back to like the entrepreneurial spirit of like helping people. people in the community knew me as a guy that they could trust when they asked questions about s e o web marketing, web development, so I started my own firm um in twenty fourteen and then a year later, is when I learned about a s m um amazing selling machine, and up until that point, I like you know, I kind of took a crash course in, in web marketing from 2009 to 2000, 2008, 2009 to, to 2014, right? Because I'm helping these local firms market themselves online, doing SEO, um, doing brand marketing, um, performance marketing, that sort of thing. And my idea of Amazon up until that point in time was just a race to the bottom. It was all arbitrage. Didn't make sense to me. Like, why would you want to sell? A twelve pack of Coke for one cent cheaper than somebody, like it doesn't make sense to me, and I didn't really think or understand that you could develop your own products or find manufacturers and build your own brand and It wasn't a race to the bottom then because it was it was about building value and building a brand and Once that clicked in my head, um it was kind of off to the races so in twenty fifteen Rochelle and I launched Bow and Bell Littles and it's been a crazy ride because we've had so many highs and so many lows. And it's been like a roller coaster of like 2016. We were on the Rachel Ray show 2017. Rochelle was interviewed by Forbes magazine. We did a partnership with, um, Lauren holiday and drew. Well, it wasn't drew holiday, but it was Lauren drew plays for the Bucks now. Um, but we did a partnership with Olympians, like all these sorts of crazy things that I would have never in a million years ever thought that I would be doing. And, um, it all centered around like taking what i knew about building a brand, helping brands grow because of the the past agency work and then applying that to our to our brand. Now, here we are 2023. Um the core of what sort of makes me tick is telling brand stories and building mm-hmm. brands and building communities because you know that the my background in kind of the church world was I was a director of community it was kind of the guy who did small groups I started the coffee shops I I greeted people as they walked in and I just saw like what I do naturally is I I just talk to people and I figure out who they are and what makes them tick and like I'm like oh Andrew dude Andrew crushes it at at you know Amazon um you know account management And like, dude, you should see their plus content or EBC, whatever it is now, you know, you should, you should see what they do. And like, if you need that, go talk to them or like, oh, you do this, you do this. Like, that's just what I do naturally, like build community and connect people. Connector. Yeah. So, um, as it applies to business and, or, you know, like brand building, um, I think that there's so much power in building communities of people in valuing people because they're people and not overlooking them because they may not have a big quote unquote following because every single person has influence, right? Right. And that's The crux of influencer marketing, the crux of influencer marketing or creative marketing is partnering with people and valuing people and loving people and bringing them into community. And like, if you have a story that's engaging and you have a, a product that is innovative, that is, that's a thumb stopper that makes people go, wow, that's cool. And you can help people and that you connect with people on a friend level. Then instead of them like promoting a brand, they're promoting their friends. They're helping their friends. So that's, that was a long background.
1: No, I let you just go because I think you were killing it and you didn't need any direction. So thanks for sharing that, number one, which has got us to where we're at. Um, We can talk more about like, you know, how you're working with brands now. But I I like to think as someone else raised in a religious background, um, and you know, Pentecostal, like so emotional, like charismatic, uh, intense, like a like theatrical in some ways. Uh, you know, like um, I'm a more emotional person, especially a more emotional male. If we're talking about just males in general, just like I feel things hard, I feel things heavy. Um, right and growing up in a church as a, pra- a pastor's kid i'm fourth generation preacher's kid missionary kid um community is like if i knew anything that was all i knew was community right. and like being a part of a community and building one and going place to place and building another community with my dad and um and then also leadership you know so some of those things like you talked about going to the school for community leadership or whatever that actual uh degree was but you think about where you're at now as you building a company, and it's like, okay, communities and leadership meaning direction and and how to help a community go in a certain direction or how to create that. Um, and you know, I was always the kid that like I saw someone sitting by themselves, and my mom was like, "Go talk to them, like the weird kid or like
0: I was Dude, weird myself, but it was that? like I did that when I started going to public high school, I would literally walk around the hallways until I saw somebody sitting by themselves and go sit with them.
1: that's the that's that's who I saw myself as I think so I was like always like I was always just seeking out the weird ones um for better or worse like in the in the dating world that sucked but in the friends world it's 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 been well um no but these are these are characteristics that like I have um maybe it's like you know silver lining or however you want to look at it but like in the same way that I've had difficulties understanding my relationship with money or uh wealth or to me it was like I can't help anyone if I'm poor uh if i don't have any money i can't really help anyone i can go help you move but i can't like i can't give you a hundred dollars for that new tire that someone might need or i just couldn't do it you know so in some ways it was like overcoming that to be able to help everyone else but yeah. then also leaning into these like sure i have those like cons maybe from that uh, upbringing about communication and community and leadership and some of these are like coming as storytellers is what i was trying to get to i think that by being more emotional than. Um, let's say some other people out there than the average being Mm -hmm. being more emotionally in tune um, leads me to be a better storyteller and brand builder and lead brands in that in that storytelling by by feeling things more you can tell when something's lacking feeling you can tell when things like um, how to connect with people is something that you do naturally and you're like okay let me let me show you how as a product how to connect with your audience over time Um, and I think those are some special skills that come from unique upbringings like, like some of ours that, um, if I can just put a little, you know, a little light on it, I think, uh, being emotional has, has, when it comes to storytelling and branding has, has advantages.
0: Um, I completely 100% agree because we er, humans are emotional beings, whether or not we express it like Rochelle, you know, my wife, she, I, I joke that she is a Vulcan. Because she doesn't, she's not very emotionally expressive. And um, a lot of that is a result of her upbringing. And I am incredibly emotionally expressive as a result of my upbringing, right? And I remember like one of the things that is grounded in my head is my dad used to tell me real men cry, you know, and that was like, that's the thing. Because I think that it was like a, a pushback from his father probably mm-hmm. if you know whatever but anyway i don't we need it yeah no so obviously you and i get along on this but let's talk about how we bring this the emotion and in the community building and influence and whatnot because we could just go off on <laughs>
1: well pe- people people wonder how you get to where you're at and like well, how you're doing what you're doing and why you're good at what you're doing you know yeah. we're working with some of the best brands in the world like at, at least i working with some of the best brands in the world and how did a small team out of kansas city get to that point well, we are like raised in a very emotional uh, environment. We're very like people connecting. Um, and we've transitioned that into business skills. Um, but, but it very much is helping people find those connections
0: and then dial them in. I have to say, like, as as having worked with your you guys, I love the community that you have built internally at Marknology, that you have a strong team, like, vibe in, and, in and, you know, a lot of your team is in Kansas city, but you do, you do have people that are, you know, virtual and you still, from what I've gathered, like with Dom, right? Like he's not Casey, am I right? He's in Mexico. Yeah. He's in Mexico. But like with Dom, like he's still like, yeah, I, I love that. And it all comes back to building a community, whether you're building a, an, uh, agency or a brand and I mean there's that um essay one thousand true fans. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? It's like it comes back to that. Or like you know, Pat Flynn, you know, his his sort of thing like on Superfans or any of any of this stuff that it's not like this is rocket science. If you treat people like they're valuable because they are, and if you give them a poem and you give them tools to tell a story that you know, let's start with, start with your customers, right? You give them tools to tell your story, right? So our story as a brand, um, is we started our brand because my son Bo and our, our brand is named Bo and Bell Littles. So we, we named it that we, it was, we were, we wanted to name it after him. So we were like thinking Bo Littles. And I was like, well, I don't want people to think it's just for boys, but, um, he, it, it's intrinsic to it, right? It ties, it's tied into it because he is one of the reasons why we started our brand because we had somebody give us a swim diaper that they bought at target they were no longer using it was a reusable swim diaper and this is a sort of concession that rochelle made to me because prior to having kids i wanted to do cloth diapers because i'm a cheapskate not because i'm like this greenpeace warrior i mean that you know saving the environment did play into it because you know Colorado and like grow piking like it's not about a cause it's about literally don't shit on the earth like it's Shouldn't it's not rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you litter and you don't pick it up, somebody else will, or it's just going to stay there and it's going to look gross. So, I uh, somebody that her concession to me was like, okay, we'll try reusable swim diapers. And I remember like he was super undersized when that that person gave it to us, our friend. And um it w- he was six months old and it was a six month size swim diaper and it was too tight for him. And he was in the 20th percentile then. Now he's like, something happened, like. He's gigantic, not at all there, like he's on the other end. But I remember that sticking with us. And when we took the ASM course, the the concept of the course was how to f- identify niches and products that were in demand. And that that stuck with us, that pain point, right? Stuck with Rochelle when she was doing her research. And she keyed into the fact that there was a demand for reusable swim diapers. Furthermore, most of the complaints were on the exact same problem that we had. Was it with like the single-sized options? were not working because they were too tight. And I am thankful that I listened to her because I was like, no, but if we sell the single size then we can sell to the same customer more times. And she was like, no, we need to fix that. The problem is that it's not the right size. We need to make an adjustable size. So that's what we did. We made an adjustable size swim diaper that lasts for four kids. Literally, we had my daughter swimming at six months after. So she was born, um, she's three years younger than my son. So we started the company when he was 10 months old and by the time he was a year, like he was using these things. I mean, we got the prototypes when he was like eight months, you know, something like that. So he was in them for a while, but she was literally in them her entire time. We could take photos of her (laughs) in the the swim diapers. Um, But it started because of this, the pain point that we had with our son, with Bo and the story that that's a part of our story. You know, we, we talk about this because we, we wanted to, we want to, as a family, we want to create lasting memories, positive memories with our kids. And so we think that the best way to do that is to go and engage with them outside, whether, or maybe not even outside, but like play board games with them, play games with them, play imagination games, go swimming with them. And not only that, but if you can do this in a necessity when they're little, when they're diaper dependent, they have to have a swim diaper on when they're in public pools. It's just a yep. fact of life. So, why not have a better fitting option that is better for the environment and in in the end saves you a bunch of money. Like but better the, for the customer. Better for the customer, like in the end it saves people like hundreds of dollars as opposed to, you know, having to go back and reorder these crappy um, you know, disposable swim diapers that don't even work anyway. Like you talk to any uh, swim instructor, they will tell you the number one thing that they will always, that causes a, a pull evacuation is disposable swim diapers. They just don't work. So that's integrated into our story. And so when we're, we're um, bringing on brand ambassadors or people into our community, that's core. And not only is it core, but it resonates with them because it's a part of their story. Right. And so if we can help resonate with their story, then they can help like, then, then they're, we're connecting with them on an emotional level. Right. We understand them. They understand us. We're not doing this just to make money. Yes, we're, we are making money, but like, it's an impact thing. Right. And so if you can move from money to impact, then you create evangelists. Yep. Brand evangelists. Yeah. And that, that is the goal. I would argue that, uh, I wouldn't create a
1: brand that I don't believe I could build a community around. And, you yeah. know, I've heard, I've heard Carlos Alvarez say that he, he's big on communities and like meetups and all that kind of stuff. Like if he can't create a community, he's not interested in trying to create a brand around it. And I think that's, that's great advice.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that like is a a stopper for us. I remember early on, when um, prior to rebranding to Influx, when we were at the chat agency, I'm so altruistic and so optimistic. I thought, Hey, we built this great community for us. It will work for us. It will work for anyone. And that is just simply not true. And what I mean is like influencer marketing, building brand ambassadors and that sort of thing. So we would take people on that for lack of better words, they're basically your straight up Amazon brand. There's no story. The reason why they started their brand was because they did a search on Helium 10 and thought they could make money. Right. Yeah. And like, You can't build a community. It's really hard to build a community around that, if not impossible, because people people see through that shit. You know, like when you have somebody that's like, "Well, why did you start it?" Well, um, because you know, I just want to want to sell floaties, like yeah, or I wanted to uh, do this or whatever. And there's 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 nothing engaging. There's nothing emotional, and it's like all about money. And people can see through that.
1: Yeah, and you if you know. I don't know, like, if you've heard me speak in a while, but I've like for years, at least the last two, I've been just harping on content on Amazon storytelling on Amazon emotional connection with customers, um, just screaming this from the rooftops because I felt like it was what the Amazon community needed to hear. It was what they were missing. Like, you know, I, I went as far as to, you know, make some hard slogans at some uh, at some booths at some of these conferences just to like really just like you know spark some people's Uh, Either offend them or get them to love it. I didn't know, but it was like, listen, you need to hear. Maybe that's a preacher in me, (laughs) but uh, you know, essentially, like this is what you need to hear. You need to be emotionally connecting with your customers. This is the difference in 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 converting uh, a sale or not, right? And um, you know, even that SMS software—it's called community, right? Like that, because it's about building communities, which I think is just absolutely clever. Um, But let's let's take the last fifteen minutes here and talk. Talk about a little bit about like what what brands should be doing, uh, some of the basic things that they should be doing with influencers or their affiliate marketing or their, their content partners. Before we do, I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use a full scale platform to find your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Okay, so like with our last 15 minutes, um, I know you have tons of value. Um, and me and you can just chat it up because I want to talk about what I want to talk about usually most of the time. But I would love for you to just like give us um, you know, some of the top things you think that brands should be doing or can do with influencers really wherever you want to take it. Um, but I think a lot of people get the wrong idea around what influencer marketing is, what affiliate marketing is, like what good influencer marketing is and, and why influx, um, why, why you've created it, rebranded your agency, the chat agency into the influx, um, agency so that you can help brands, um, and Amazon sellers. I, I know that's where you started, but help brands off Amazon really tackle this challenge and help them reach a bigger community.
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess we used to be the chat agency because I'd, I'd geek out with chatbots um, and I, I had a course in 2018 on chat marketing. And really one of the main things that we'd use and we still use chatbots for is basically as like an application portal. Um, once Instagram direct chat opened up toward automation, like we did all of our um, applications for our brand our brand ambassadorships through um, Instagram direct. But when we when we look at whether or not influencer marketing, and I hate using that word, that term. I prefer creator marketing or influencer partnerships or creator partnerships. Um, there's the way that I look at it, there's, there's several ways that you can go about it. So let's say, let's just do a thought experiment. Let's say that banks were outgoing to you and trying to get you to become their customer for a mortgage, right? Versus you going and applying to the bank and having to apply for a mortgage literally it's it's kind of this, the same process like let's say maybe they, they, they it just feels different mm-hmm. so in the in the in the instance where you go to people and you ask for something and a lot of this is just baked into paul, paul yeah. let's use let's use my company as an example okay so i think i think
1: it'll be kind of fun so i'm a, i'm a full service amazon agency um you know i can go out and hunt leads like hit up a brand and be like, you need to be on Amazon or your Amazon looks like shit. Or have you ever thought about Amazon? Or, you know, I can do, right. I, I can hunt, right? Or I can have someone, a person in, within my community or my referral network or my business network, whether they're finding my content online, be referred to me. Uh, right. they were in, They were influenced or whatever to reach out. There's a huge difference between the clients that have been sent over by a friend or someone they know that's been successful working with us. And then someone that I'm trying to convince that they need us and this
0: is why and all those things. Yeah, I mean, we just got a call today, right? So I'm speaking at prosper. The, uh, for those that are listening, prosper is a big show in the uh, Amazon space. If you don't know, it's like one of the biggest and it should be on your radar. Um, So Rochelle and I are speaking at prosper and I am well connected in the community. I would say that without, feeling arrogant like i feel like i am well connected we got a cold call today from some random yoo who that wants to set a meeting with us like i don't know who this dude is like i'm trying to work and this guy calls i don't know how the fuck he got even i don't even know how he got her number like that is an immediate turnoff to me now conversely let's say that i had heard about this dude and i was like oh man i've got to set a meeting with this guy like i would i would I would proactively go out of my way to, to to see if I can meet with him. It's completely different when you're when you're going to somebody and you're saying, "Hey, I want to learn about your services," versus them saying, "And hey, I want to tell you about my services." So that is think about it like that from the influencer or the creator standpoint. If you have a a brand that attracts people to you that they would feel like fortunate to represent, right? Say Apple. If if uh, you you there, Apple had a, a brand ambassadorship that you could apply for, and you applied and you got accepted, I'd feel fucking stoked. Like you know, Apple is putting their name on me. Yeah, like I'd feel stoked. No, now if if Apple had this campaign where they were just cold emailing people, that would just cheapen the brand and make it feel weird. Right. So when I think of creator marketing and influencer marketing, most of the time people think of it in the terms of they're going to find all these influencers and then cold email them a template email that is the exact same email that they send to somebody who has massive influence, meaning, you know, maybe they're a, a celebrity or maybe not. Maybe, maybe you would adapt it for a celebrity, but let's say, say like a massive creator who has spent a lot of time building their personal brand right? You email that person a template email, the exact same email that you're going to email somebody who has 5,000 followers. Like that's kind of insulting in general. And it comes across spammy. Why does it come across spammy? Because it is spammy.
1: Yeah, it is spammy. Like on LinkedIn, I get reached out to like, you know, probably a hundred, I don't know. Let's just be more realistic. Let's say like 25 DMs a day. Okay. From people I don't know. So these are like spam emails and they're like, they'll say something like, uh, you know, it's like a templated email, like, wow, I really like what you've built there. They might give a reference to something that's in my resume or in my like, you know, my details. Uh, I really like what you've built there. i like tell you about my service. Like, let's get on a call. First of all, you haven't given me enough value to want to jump on a call at that right. point. Secondly, you don't even know what I do because I just know that from a fact because like of all the billions of people in the world, there's very few that actually know what Marknology does and how we do it well. You don't just, we're a new industry. People don't just know this. So when someone's like saying they know what we've built, uh, and I have a hard time telling even some of my closest friends and colleagues, everything that we're doing. And someone's touting that they know what we're doing and what we've built over here. And I've like never even heard of them. I'm immediately turned off. It's spam. It's like, even if they had a good service, I'm turned off. You've templatized me. You've wanted me to make me feel like you actually have cared about my profile enough to look into it and reference something. But the, the fact is you haven't, you like, you know, you scraped one thing and you've lost it. I might've even been interested, um, you know, in speaking with you. If, if someone, you know, gets personal with it, uh, like, like you would, if you were approaching a big influencer, you're going to reference some of his posts, like maybe been following him for a year or reference some stuff he did six months ago. Like he's going to be like, Oh wow, this person has actually like followed my career or followed my, my brand and they're going to be more open than that template the email that you've sent
0: to yeah. uh, you know, a matter of the numbers. So there's, so there, so the, the outreach, when you do the outreach that is immediately putting you in the position of being an asker and you're selling somebody and, and the, the immediate general, generally speaking now, now if this was, if I was talking in 2012 or 2010, when this was brand new and creators didn't understand who they were, it was almost like the brand was taking advantage of them, which which they were, right? Now creators are getting a lot more savvy. Not only that, but if you go to TikTok and you and you look up like UGC jobs or anything with UGC, UGC is trending, and there are UGC influencers that are teaching people how to make money by just solely creating content. So that in and of itself is driving the cost of creative partnerships and creator marketing up even more, right? So. Again, so coming back to this idea of of outreach versus versus creating something compelling that would get people to come to you. Um it's centering around this idea, that you you need to approach this with no ego. You need to resp- you need to treat every single person with the level of respect that you would expect to be treated with, right? Every person, right? You, me, LeBron James, I don't care who you are. We are the same. Right? We're humans. LeBron has a job. He just gets a lot of publicity. Steph Curry, same with him. Like I've worked with celebrities. Some of them are dicks. Some of them are awesome. Mm -hmm. But the thing is people are people and you want to respect people because they're people and not look at them to use them. Right? So if it comes across that you're trying to use somebody to get to something, then that is already going to put you back so you need to have no ego you need to put lead them, with value lead with you value. need to lead with value but you need to make it more valuable for them than it is for you mm-hmm. that is the thing if you make something better for the person that you're working with than it is for you then you are always going to win
1: mm-hmm.
0: right that's a famous Zig Ziglar quote right if you um i'm going to totally budget this but um the Zig Ziglar quote uh if you what give whatever give more than you receive google it just look up ziggler quote
1: it's late in, it's late in the day what i remember the is the first you one know. of the first times we talked you were just quoting all these books people and right. authors and i was just like paul
0: you're you're like killing it with your references so i'll cut you slack so, on this one but, yes, but you're
1: exactly right
0: so give more than you receive it's 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 pretty straightforward if this goes back to the the idea of reciprocity, the law of reciprocity. If if you perpetual, it's like what I was saying with okay, my sales pitch, right? Referencing how I would give grandmas their my thing and the the drawing, and it, I say, "Do you want this?" Yes, they possess it. Then I say, "Well, that will be ten cents." I've given them something, then they feel compelled to give me something back. That's the reason why the um, oh. 70s, the people that would give people roses at the at the airports, the uh, Hare Krishnas were banned from airports because they, they over-leveraged that and they manipulated it. That's my point. So no ego. You need to approach people with no ego. You need to understand that your biggest source of advocacy is your group of people that have already purchased from you. And you need to understand that whether or not those people have a bazillion followers, every single one of their friends, if you think of them as a piece of gold – that you want to keep in your in your bank. And if you can treat those people like gold, then they're going to tell every single person they know about you. And the problem with social media is that we've taken the Kim Kardashians of the world and we've elevated them above the Kristen Cherries of the world. And Kristen Cherry is one of our best customers. And that's why I reference, she is our, she's like our ideal customer persona because Kristen has bought literally every print that we sell. So I would want a hundred Christian cherries because those people love us and if i could show them affection and show them and like help them that then they're going to tell all of their friends so all social media marketing is all influencer marketing is 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 modern day word of mouth
1: agreed i have said that i have said that myself um two dozen times because you know, it's like it's the same exact thing we're just able to do it a little bit quicker a little bit yeah. faster
0: um, What people, I want to get from you—they they get so starry-eyed with a giant following, though, and they're like, yes. well, "I don't want to see the massive numbers, bro." If you, build, if you build a mountain like one spoonful at a time, it would, like anyway. Yes, I'm it's passionate like, about the nano, the small people.
1: Build an audience love, of
0: small people.
1: I love it, and I—I I, that's why you know we're talking about this is that's why you're leading the way because um, it's not all about just a, like contacting a PR firm and getting a big brand ambassador um you know the small people can can build you huge let's talk about what potentially leading without ego and leading uh and reaching out to your existing customer base mm-hmm. what perhaps an uh a communication email or an engagement would look like from like you know just spitball here but i I'm, I'm reaching back out to a customer that we are let's say i already have as a brand and i want to lead without ego and i want to lead with some value What's, what's a simple example of maybe what, what a simple e- email communication looks like?
0: Today. So where are we starting? Do we have the people, they've, they've signed up, they're, they're on our email list? Are we trying to get them on our email list? They bought from us. They're on our email list as a customer. That's it. Okay. Okay. So people are on our email list. They bought from us. Generally speaking, where I would start is people that have purchased from you more than once. Okay. okay. So let's say that that's your, that's your barrier. If they purchase from you more than once, it's an, it's a fairly good indicator that they like your product, Right. right? So, um, you could start with anybody who who has just purchased from you one time, but I would I would just say people that purchased with from you more than once, I would send an email just exuberantly thanking them for their second purchase and give them something for free. Okay, I remember back in the uh, early two thousands, I I bought these shirts from a company online, and they gave me free like remember those like like totes used to be super cool like the messenger bags like they gave me like free little pins you know for like the scene kids right back in the day like free like pins that you could stick on your tote bag and then like stickers and they had a hand signed note the second time i bought i was i felt so special like the owner of the company wrote me a hand signed note Now, if you can go to that extent and hand sign something and thank people and personally invite them to support your company and tell the word, like my guess is that you're going to get a massive amount of return, but that's really hard to scale. Okay. So let's say you want to start with people that have purchased from you more than once, put just together. And and we do this, we do this all the time for ourselves and for for clients. And basically it's just an, an application like, Hey, we want to know if you'd be, if you'd want to join our brand ambassador community. Um, here's, an, here's an, an application link. And then we just ask them simple questions. Like, you know, what products do you own? What do you like about them? What don't you like about them? What would you change? What competitors, and we don't say competitors, but what, yeah, I mean, we do, but it's it's worded different per client and or ourselves. But we'd ask like, who, what other people have you purchased from? What do you like about them? What do you not like? What would you change? So in this, we're asking, we're getting a lot of information anyway. Because we're, whether or not they decide to be, commit to becoming a brand ambassador, we're getting amazing feedback on product, the, like what do you like? That's a product review. What would you change? That's a way that you can improve it and possible new product development, right? So that's in the in the first email. And then, then you can have in that email that can go to like a type form that can go to, we run these as Facebook ads. So you can do an exact match. Um, audience on on Facebook. You can do a lead form, just targeting people on TikTok. Um, I think you asked me the other day about getting people to like retarget on TikTok. But if people have interacted with your ads before on TikTok, you can retarget them with new ads. Um, And then you can have a lead form and then have them apply on TikTok. We have people apply on Instagram and it's basically the same, same sort of thing. But um, if they're in our customer base, we'll send that email with a link to either type form or an Instagram flow or a WhatsApp flow or whatever, have them apply. And then depending on, um, handful of factors, like if their accounts are public, like bare minimum, they have to have public accounts. Like really they like their their what they post has to be on brand. Like mm-hmm. we're a family focused brand. So having adult content isn't kind of, vibing with their family deal right I've heard, I've
1: heard about a couple of your instances with uh finding some adult content instead of like mommy <laughs> content so we won't share that for everyone but have a little... twitter
0: where we have, we had the bot auto liking things in diapers
1: um yeah i think you just had like a couple big influencers oh. that were in a little bit of some adult stuff instead of uh baby diapers
0: yeah it was uh it was awkward and that we'll just go with that <laughs> not all diapers are made for children. And I found that out. Trust me. Like, listen, Paul is speaking from experience. He has learned
1: by doing, you know, so (laughs) we're keeping stuff PG for the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, again, so email, email out to them Whether it's SMS, whatever. If you have people on your list, you, you message them. Hey, we have a community. We'd love you to, to learn more, give you free stuff, give you sneak peeks. Because again, the people that have purchased more than once, you give them an opportunity to get discounts and sneak peeks and early releases. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. I love this brand. I'd love that sort of stuff. So then once they've applied, they've been accepted. Um, Generally speaking, again, because our brand is baby focused, it's mommy groups, right? We have Facebook groups and that is not applicable to everything. We're starting to experiment with like Discord groups, WhatsApp groups, Anything, but basically you need an online, the, the, the idea is that you need an online central space for communication to happen, for community to grow. Again, my past experience offline, building church community and hanging out and drinking coffee together, that's what you want, to, that's what you want in a digital space. So however that happens, whether it's Facebook, Discord, uh, WhatsApp, Telegram, whatever, right? You want it to be low barrier to entry, natural free people, and you want communication to happen and community to develop. Initially, you are going to be the community manager and the community person, but you will find people that sort of self-elevate. And this is just straight up leadership 101, volunteer leadership 101. You find the people that are passionate and you empower those people to do more. Maybe you give them um, more free things. Maybe you start paying them right? You say, Hey, you know, Andrew, you clearly love this. Can we pay you to do this? Like we've had somebody like do a a brand takeover for us. They did like 32 posts in one day for free. And the worst mistake that we did was we didn't ask her to be a community manager. This was like early on early mistake. Mm -hmm. I would go back in time and say, Hey, Becky, her name is Becky. Hey, Becky, would you, can we pay you to do this? Cause then it's off on my wife's shoulders. She's not having to be the community manager, Becky, who clearly loves it because she posted 32 times in one day. Like, and, and not only is she, cause she's, she even said this would be my dream job. <laughs> like, can you talk about fumbling the ball? <laughs> How bad did we fumble that Andrew? Like it was so Listen, bad, bro.
1: <laughs> but now you're here to share that, you know, and, yeah.
0: uh, that's how it goes. You empower people. The whole thing is empower people. You empower them to tell your story. You go to them, you respect them. No eagle. You, tell, you, you help them tell their story. Help them tell your story. That becomes a part of their story. And then it's our story, right? That's the goal.
1: You should, you should coin that. Like, that needs to be a clip at the end of this show, um, the way you just closed out there. Okay, we're, we're up on time um but i would love for you to just leave um where people can contact you where they can find out more where they can follow along with your guys' journey um i'll have it in the show notes as well but if you want to share that with them um that'd be amazing
0: yeah uh so you can find our my website is influxcatalysts.com catalyst with a y y s t s um plural and um you can find me on instagram i generally i'm not as Great of a influencer poster type dude like you. Mainly, it's like me posting things like my family went skiing <laughs> at at Mr. Barron on Instagram. Um, you know, it's I wanted to start posting more on on uh, on TikTok, but it's the Paul Baron on TikTok. And maybe if you're listening to this, maybe I'm posting more regularly. But one of the things that I was starting to do on TikTok was just telling the story of our brand, like how we got started, the, sh- the struggles that we had. And I really like that. I just need to, I need to find more time. Just, I need to schedule it. Not find time. I have the time. I just need to schedule it. Just do it.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of times when when I'm creating for other people, I just, mine takes a backseat, you know? Right. Um, it's not that I don't have the ideas or this or that. It's just, I get a huge kick out of helping other people too. Right. And, you know, I get just as much kick off of like doing these things for, for others and their brands and their stories and helping them come to life as I do for my own. Uh, it has to be a good mix or else we'd be out of business, you know? Yeah. Um but but some people will be like, Do you have a TikTok? Do you do this? No, but I'm I'm consulting on TikTok and I Bro, you you're you know. you're
0: crushing it. This the, the stuff that you and I have talked about on TikTok, I'm stoked. I wanna Thank I you. wanna I wanna interview you on a podcast because like what you're doing on TikTok is so unique and it different to what we're doing on TikTok and it's super cool. Thank so.
1: you. Well, that's just like, we'll leave it mysterious. Uh, you know, if someone wants to know what I'm doing, they can reach out. But um stoked to see it prosper. Uh, I'll be there. Um, you know, So I'm excited to see what you guys are going to bring, what you guys are going to share. You guys are always bringing um, the heat. Thanks again to the community of, of Startup Puzzle for tuning in and listening to another episode. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with this one. Thanks again to our sponsor, FullScale.io. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Thanks a lot, Hustlers. We've had a lot of fun with this one. Thanks again, Paul, for your time, and we'll see you next time.